Welcome to the Women's Football Podcast for our look at the beautiful game from the Champions League to the National League and beyond. My name is Liv Griffiths and joining me today is the production editor of Women's Soccer Coaching Magazine, Andrew Rayburn. Hello, Andrew. Nice to see you as always. Yeah, good to see you, Liv. Good to uh, catch up again. Yeah, we got a lot to get through today. And we have a very special guest. I'm delighted to say we have Tottenham Hotspur boss, Rianne Skinner. Hello, Rianne. Thanks so much for joining us. Hiya. No, no problem. I'm glad to be here and looking forward to having a chat. Excellent news. Well, briefly, Rianne, I know you were at a few international games uh, this week. It seemed that it was a very good week on the field. Some cracking games, didn't it? Where, where did you get to? Yeah, I mean, obviously, with quite a few players away on internationals, uh, try and watch as many of them as I possibly can. Um, you know, they've been all over the world in recent international windows, to be honest. So having someone on home soil was obviously a lot easier for me to get to games. So, yeah, so I went to the um, the England game live at, at Wolves and obviously then stayed. Well, the, the prior game was the Canada-Spain game. So I watched both of those games at Wolves, which both games I thought were uh, quality was really good. Standard was was good, especially given some of the games that you know we've seen over recent international windows. But um, yeah, no, I thought it was a, a fantastic event to be honest. Happy with your um, team's personal performances. I mean, Shalina would have played for Canada, etc. Yeah, yeah, Shalina played in the game against Spain. Unfortunately, obviously they they lost the game, but um, overall, I thought she did very well within the game. I think they're they're a difficult team to break down, Canada, and it it takes someone with a little bit of quality to try and unlock that. And um, obviously, Spain got the breakthrough just from a little bit of wide play that then led to a gap in in central areas for you know the likes of Patelis and um, Bonmati are unbelievable players and they just sort of wait really for that little window of opportunity and once it's there you know they they don't make any mistakes and that kind of caught Canada out a little bit but I actually thought they had chances and a draw probably would have been fair in that game if, if I'm being really honest but it was a good game it's quick paced you know it put both teams to the test more like the games that these nations want going into the Euros or CONCACAF in the summer. You know, there's a lot of major tournaments this summer that people are prepping for. So so I think it was a better test than what some of the previous games have been. Yeah, there were some, as you said, there were some excellent matches um, away from the WSL. But this weekend, it was all about the FA Cup fifth round, which was devoid of any real shocks. Chelsea played Leicester City, which on recent form looked to challenge for Emma Hayes' side. But the Foxes were left punished after Sophie Howard was sent off after 70 minutes for a tackle on Yona Anderson, allowing Chelsea to win 7-0 with doubles from Sam Kerr and Peniel Harder, and goals also from Ji Sung Young, Anik Nguyen and Bethany England. But the big game of the weekend was the Manchester derby, and if you listened to the previous pod, you'll know I spoke to Chloe, a Manchester United fan, and Dave, a Manchester City fan. Chloe, Dave, if you're listening to this, our predictions were a little bit off. It looked like United were, were going to avenge that defeat in the league a fortnight ago when Katie Zellum gave the Reds the lead directly from a corner. City were struggling and it took until five minutes into the second half when Lauren Hemp equalised and then Ellen White capitalised on a mistake by Hannah Blundell. And it was another United mistake which gave City their third after Mary Eves let a Carolyn Weir ball slip through her grasp Bunny Shaw added a fourth with her first touch after Earps could only push out Blackstad's shot. Well, Andrew, it was a game of two halves. The City managed to be really poor in the first half, according to Gareth Taylor, but showed great application in the second. Ultimately, do you just feel their class was 
it was on show compared to United, wasn't it? Well, yeah, it was, it was a really odd game in a way, because as you said there, I mean, Gareth Taylor made the point, um, you know, yeah, they, they United were, you know, ahead at half time and, and, and on top. And then suddenly it was like a light switch. Um, City just, you know, they got the equaliser and suddenly United couldn't even keep the ball. Uh, and it was a very fact, I think they got those couple of goals very, very quickly. It just really rocked United back on their heels. Um, and suddenly the whole picture just changed. Um, and and it, yes, it was a couple of unfortunate errors. Obviously, Hannah Blundell, I know well, she's from my old hometown of Eastbourne. Um, uh, you know, she a uh, bit of a, a, a poor backheader from her. But, um, you know, there are a couple of other mistakes in there as well. And United just won at the races in that second half. And it's one of those times where, you know, everything went right for City. Um, you know, and every time they attack, they look dangerous in that in that second period. Um, so yeah, they could be very happy with that result. And of course, you know, any derby. I know these two don't have the history of, uh, let's say, the men's clubs uh, between them. But when um, uh, when a Manchester United side and a Manchester City side meet at any uh, in any game, it's always tasty. When there's a prize up for grabs, like a quarterfinal place in the FA Cup, uh, and away from home as well, City are going to be delighted with that one. Yes, bragging rights for the City of Blue. But Mark Skinner, you know, he said United didn't really compete in the second half. What do you think the problems are? Because we kind of see this mentality with United, don't we? They sort of narrowly go, go ahead and then all of a sudden it's like they down tools. Yeah, I mean, not, uh, not, not um, deliberately, obviously, but certainly there was, I think, once... A side like Manchester City, obviously, they've not had a great season, um, but they've still got individual quality. Obviously, their overall picture in the league table is still hampered by the results when they had uh, you know, a fair amount of injuries um, and their form is picking up. On their day, obviously, they can beat anybody and by any scoreline. The um, problem for United in this particular game was, as I say, they just looked shell-shocked. They looked as though... I mean, I'm not suggesting that at one minute at half-time they would have felt in complete control, but they would have felt like they, that the, the tempo and the tenor of the game was in their grasp. It was, it was, you know, they were dictating terms. And suddenly City equalising, you know, early on in the second half. So you can't necessarily say it's against the run of play. Um, but, and getting that second goal so quickly, United suddenly went, hang on a minute, we've got a problem here. And they didn't have the answers. I know, you know, Rianne, you'll consider that, you know, football is all about problem solving on the pitch. Once you push them over the white line, you know, you can only do so much as a manager. And United didn't seem to have the answers to those problems. And they were creating some problems for themselves, particularly at the back. But there was a period of a good 10, 15, 20 minutes where United just couldn't string passes together. And in the first half, that wasn't the case. And it really was, you know, a tale of two halves. I hate to use the cliche, but it really was. It happens often though, doesn't it? You know, in terms of a game of two halves, like I think... Um, Obviously, recently, Man City, I think, are finding a really good flow as well. Um, and obviously, they're becoming more of a threat in and around. You know, we played them and we were on the receiving end of that in the Conti Cup. And they just look like they're, they've got more solutions within game and players that can create, you know, decent opportunities. And obviously, when they start to then take those opportunities, which is what's happening more now, you know, when they are capable of getting two in quick succession like that, it does knock a bit of stuffing out of you, whoever you are. And obviously, it's really important in that time frame to have the resilience within your squad to be able to find those solutions or to regroup, to almost have a reset button, to almost be able to park it, to then redo the things that you were doing successfully 
in the first half of the game, as you were describing there for United. Um, if you can't get that back within the first sort of two, three minutes of actually conceding a goal, you generally can make a few more errors and you're really vulnerable for, for subsequent minutes. So, you know, having those key leaders on the pitch that are able to rectify that and get the team together and cohesion related to what their actual, their actual game plan was is so important in that moment. Otherwise, it can go from bad to worse, you know, which obviously with three goals in 10 minutes, pretty much it, it makes life really difficult. And I think the intensity of that sort of game as well doesn't help. You know, you go, you, you know, you're one up at half time, you suddenly get pegged back to one all. And the temptation can be, especially at home with the crowd behind you, and, you know, an important game like that to go, right, we've got to up the tempo and push it, if you like. And that can force your own errors and everything else. You're not control it, controlling the ball. You've got to, as Rianne says, you've got to take the heat out of things. You've got to go, right, let's go back to what we were doing. Let's not change our game plan. Let's go back to what we were doing so right in the first half, because sometimes you just need to, after you've conceded, you just need to take five or 10 minutes out. I know the cliche is that, oh, you're the most vulnerable when you've just scored. Well, that sometimes isn't the case. And sometimes when you've conceded, you do just need to just calm things down in case you give the ball away and suddenly the other team are in your penalty area again. And that's what happened with United. They, they gave the ball away too easily. City counted on them very quickly got the bodies in the box in the right places. And as Rianne says, they are starting to find the back of the net with regularity now. Yeah, lots of lessons to be learned from Mark Skinner and United's team. I think both of you should go into the to, into the uh, dressing room and have some words. Oh, no, I've definitely got my own team to contend with. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, we built it up last week. Top of the Championship Liverpool against top of the WSL Arsenal as one of the ties to watch. However, it was really one-sided as Arsenal ran out 4-0 winners. Rhiannon Roberts' own goal was followed by a stunning volley from Katie McCabe and a Caitlin Ford goal put the Gunners in control before half-time. Captain Kim Little rounded off the victory in the second half. Andrew, does this result show that there is still a massive gap in between the WSL and the Championship? Yeah, I mean, obviously, clearly Arsenal are, um, you know, the, the, the current class of the season, if you like. And, and you've got to remember that, that, that Liverpool are in the Championship and, and you know, not yet at the, the, the level of, of, of the top of the WSL. Um, it is difficult for teams to you know, up their game in a one-off one-off encounter like this against some of the, the class, like you said, you mentioned there, re- reeled the names off Katie McKay, Caitlin Ford, and even though Arsenal made changes, still a very strong side. Um, but yeah, it's, it was always going to be a difficult task for that for that Liverpool team. Um, and uh, But they, you know, they'll have acquitted themselves relatively well, but it's just the very fact that, you know, they conceded the goals too early, really. They'd have wanted to have to have limited the damage to half-time and, 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 and regrouped, but they weren't able to do that. Well, speaking of the big names, Rian, Jonas Adebel, he made several changes for this game. It really shows the depth in the squad at Arsenal, doesn't it? To have a flurry of talent at his disposal like that. I mean, I think, you know, the, the bulk of the players that have played, if you think about how many games they've played this season, they've all had significant minutes. You know, all the players that played against Liverpool have all played a lot throughout course of Champions League, etc. So, you know, they're all a very familiar squad. I don't think that, you know, any, any team that you put on the pitch for Arsenal is, is going to be a tough team. And that just shows the depth in the squad that they actually have. Um, so, you know, with Williamson and Rafaela uh, back in, you know, in terms of playing as a centre-back partnership, I mean, 
I, I think they're a, a very strong partnership that will be critical to the success in the remainder of the season for Arsenal, given the style of play that they offer, both short and long. Um, and obviously with Moritz, Catley, you know, McKay playing at the back, you know, it, in terms of fullback positions, they're all more than capable. And even Kate McKay being higher up the pitch has, has shown in the past that she's a threat as well. So, you know, obviously, I, I think Iwabuchi is a fantastic player at unlocking teams. A technical ability makes life really difficult when you add Kim Little next to her alongside that. And then security around Leah Walter, you know, I mean, they just they just know how to change the game. I think more now in the context of variation on what spaces are available to them, whether that be short or long. It's a lot less less prescriptive. It's a lot harder to plan for and prepare for. Um, and you, you might be able to, uh, you know, offer them one one area that you can contend with but then they find a different way, you know, so you're constantly trying to adjust to deal with wide play, direct play, short play, and you're just constantly, you know, having to be up and at it. And Liverpool have had a fantastic season, you know, obviously they're looking strong. I don't know if it, that numerically it's, it's assured right now, but I mean, they can't be far off, um, you know, assurances of promotion and, um, you know, four nil scoreline, let's be honest, Barcelona have done that to a number of people. So, you know, they're not, they're not a million miles off, I don't think, but it's just the consistency in this league is obviously absolutely crucial. And that was something that for me personally was a problem for us last season that we've obviously tried to rectify this season. So one-off games against these sorts of teams are, are, uh, you might be able to give it your best for an FA Cup game or whatever, but, you know, and even with that, Arsenal have obviously made life tough for Liverpool, but hopefully, you know, they'll strengthen if they come up and, that you know, they'll be more competitive with the WSL next year to have that consistency week in, week out. So it'll be an interesting scenario, I think, for them coming up. Yeah, so it's always difficult when you don't know, as you say, what that starting eleven for Arsenal is going to be. It could be anyone on their day, um, but they 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 found their way into the next round. And two other WSL strugglers, Everton and Birmingham, both had tough looking ties away at Championship teams, but avoided any banana skins. Goals from Kenzie Daly and Anna Anvergard saw Everton comfortably beat Charlton. It was a different story up in the northeast where Durham dominated proceedings but couldn't find a breakthrough and in the end went down to a Louise Quinn goal 12 minutes from time to give Birmingham the win. Rianne, a massive relief for both sides, wasn't it? I mean, they've not really hit the ground running with the season with the WSL. Do you think now this is going to kind of give them confidence coming back in next weekend? I mean, I, I, I hope so, you know, because obviously for the both of them, it, it's one thing to sort of get results in the FA Cup and it's like a whole other ball game getting the points that you need out of the league because obviously it just feels a little bit more pressure, doesn't it? You know, because the results haven't gone their way. So it's great to try and get some positives out of a performance and certainly from a coaching side of things, that's what you'd be looking at, their ability to stick to the game plan and to grind out a result in whatever way, shape or form that, that required and then utilise that as a way of like using a platform to kind of target towards the weekend, the things that we did well here and we've got to carry those over into the weekend and that sort of thing. So certainly as a coach, you'd be looking for those positive aspects to be able to you know move yourself forward to being in a good headspace ready for the next league game and both league games you know for both those clubs are really really important right now so they need to start getting results and they need to start finding ways to win is the bottom line really so hopefully that does carry over for them and Rianne yeah. I was just going to ask as a, as a manager obviously I know you're you're only relatively recently back in the into the club management scene but 
when you are on a cut run and you, but you've got other attentions to focus on in the league, some people call it a distraction, but at the same time, winning built breeds confidence, doesn't it? So, you know, where do you find the balance there? I mean, which, which do you more subscribe to that? You know, is it, can it be a, a, an issue to have these games back to back or, you know, will it be a, a boost for them? It can be, it can be an issue is the honest thing. I mean, there's two parts to that question, I suppose, which is, you know, for us, and I can only speak on our behalf, but, you know, last year we were tasked, I was tasked when I came in with keeping us in the league. The league was the priority. This year, the league is the priority as well to elevate our position and be more consistent within it. So whilst, you know, along the way, when you get positive performance, definitely that can translate over into, you know, we had a positive Conti Cup run, uh, not so much in the FA Cup, but in some respects, you know, when you get into the second half of the season, you want to be focusing on the games that you've got from a league perspective. In, in certainly Birmingham's instance, you know, they need to stay in the league. So it's a challenge now to manage the squad depth and the availability of players to be able to go from, you know, a midweek game to a league game on a weekend. So it's it's not so much about that. It depends on the, the squad availability as to whether it's uh, two games in one week are going to create a problem because actually we don't have enough of a squad to kind of rotate and rest or, you know, get everybody in the right frame of mind. Or it's a case of actually this works really well. Everyone's in a great place. We're going to carry on performances through a great FA Cup run and that then boosts us going into the weekend. So... I think it's a difficult one because it completely depends on your individual circumstances in in the moment. Um, Three game weeks are tough, you know, for anyone, especially when you're traveling. So if that then ends up cropping up from an FA Cup game and some of the rearranged schedules that people have got, that could put them in a difficult position come the Sunday, which is the third game of the week sort of thing. And, you know, we've definitely been on a a positive and a negative in that sense over the course of this season where it's worked for us. And then in another instance, it hasn't, you know? So, um, so yeah, I think for both teams, the, the league is definitely going to be a focus and hopefully the, the positive confidence boost they get from this helps versus hinders if their squad availability is good. But I, w- I was kind of going to sort of talk about, do you also feel like Birmingham and Everton, they've kind of got a little bit more of an advantage now because they played the cup game, like you said, you guys are no longer in it. So I guess because the women's isn't so consistent week in, week out. So do you actually feel like maybe playing this weekend will give them an advantage against their opponents next weekend? I think it depends what those other clubs have done. Because, you know, for example, we, you know, we've had a game this weekend anyway, regardless of the FA Cup game. And, And for me personally, and again, it comes back to individual club circumstances. But for me personally, I've had players all over the world in this last 10, 10, 11 days. So to get everyone back on the grass, to come back into play in the way that we want to play in preparation for a league game has definitely been a benefit to to our preparation going into our Reading game this coming weekend. Um, So I think it does, it it depends really, because I would have only had a day at the best with some of those players you see going into Sunday. So it's got its pros and cons off the back of an international uh, window, really. Obviously, if you've got a midweek, sorry, a Sunday break in between two games because there's a cup game, you know, in the normal part of the season, not coming off the back of an international break. That's a little bit different because then obviously you may try to make sure that you can keep some momentum going. So getting a game in in that off 
off day is really important and we play as often as we possibly can so we get games in to be able to keep up that you know like say momentum continuity of the things that we're trying to achieve and also you can use it for prep for whoever you're playing the following Sunday but you know essentially I think it's it's dependent on the club it's dependent on the team and where you're at um I think for us this weekend, it's actually benefiting in some ways that we've been able to dictate the game that we've played. Um, but, you know, certainly some of those teams are playing on, on Wednesday night again this week, aren't they? I think there's a midweek game this week. So, um, yeah, the, the Reading Arsenal, I think, is coming up, isn't it, on Wednesday? So, yeah, I think for those teams, it'll help them, you know, lead into that, really. Yes, not too long to wait for the WSL to return, but we need to round up the FA Cup still. And Andrew, there are a couple of other interesting ties, weren't there? West Brom hosted Coventry United, who were bottom of the championship in a Midlands derby, and the all-national league tie between Ipswich and Southampton. Can you tell us more about them? Coventry never really looked under threat uh, from third tier West Brom. Um, they led 3-1 at the break. And even though Natalie Haig was sent off, uh, West Brom converted the resulting penalty. Coventry scored a fourth late on uh, to seal a 4-2 win. The real drama, though, was at Felix Stowe's Gold Star ground, where Ipswich and Southampton, uh, two of the top three sides in National League uh, Southern Premier Division, met uh, goalless after 90 minutes. Ipswich stuck, struck first in extra time, but with seconds left in a moment you may well have seen on social already, uh, Saints goalkeeper Kayla Rendell headed in a dramatic equaliser from a corner. Brilliant header it was as well. Uh, sadly for her in Southampton, though, she couldn't keep out any of Ipswich's penalties in the shootout and uh, the Tractor Girls prevailed 4-2 in front of a crowd, actually, of 1,167, which isn't bad at all. No, not bad at all. Always sad when the fairy tale comes to an end in heartbreaking penalties. Wouldn't wish it on anyone. But the final FA Cup game saw an all-WSL tie between Reading and West Ham go the distance. Eventually, West Ham broke the deadlock as Daniel Brynjas Dottier got the vital goal in stoppage time at the end of the first half of extra time. Now, we've reviewed all the ties. Rianne, are you disappointed that there weren't more upsets? I mean, it was quite a clean sweep for all of the top teams, wasn't it? Yeah, I suppose, you know, in FA Cup, it's nice to um, obviously have somebody that comes, you know, from like an underdog position and gets a, a result that you're not expecting sort of thing. So it always kind of makes it a little bit more of a story, given the historic nature of the FA Cup. That's kind of a lot of what it's about, isn't it? And we all look forward to those situations. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think Coventry have obviously tried to, they've done a lot to gel together, given the circumstances that they've gone through this year so I think you know from what I've heard in and around you know the, the the coaching staff there that they're basically trying to you know really gel as a team to get through some adversity that they've all kind of like linked together a little bit more that's probably helping them get results like this to be honest at the moment um but yeah the thriller obviously the Ipswich Southampton one going to penalties and stuff I mean you know I think Either way with those two teams, they're both working incredibly hard and developing as clubs and teams. So I think it was a situation there where it probably could have gone either way, you know, and obviously it, it got right down to the wire. But still, for everybody watching, it, it's a great sort of step forward to have a national team um, in the, you know, the next stages of the FA Cup as well. Next up, we'll look at the league fixtures that took place in the Championship and the National League. So in the Championship, even though Liverpool were knocked out of the FA Cup, it was a good day for them in the league as closest rivals Charlton and Durham were also in cup action and London City Lionesses, who started the day second, lost 3-2 at home to Bristol City. 
Goals from scoring machine Abby Harrison, Aggie Beaver-Jones and Captain Amy Palmer saw the Robins home on the back of a gutsy display that lifted them into second place in the table. Crystal Palace are fifth as Molly May Sharp's goal gave them all three points at Sunderland. Blackburn got their first win since October as they saw up Lewis thanks to a goal from Kaylee McDonald. Rianne, the championship, it's a really competitive league. We talked about Liverpool in the FA Cup. You know, all of these teams behind, they're competing really, aren't they? I mean, there's not much that separates them, do you think? No, not at all. I mean, the points kind of show it all, don't they? I mean, the league table doesn't lie when you get to this sort of stage of the season in terms of how people are performing. And and I think from sort of second to, to six, is it only like four points or something like that? It's not a lot at all. Um, so obviously, you know, there's been a little bit of fluctuation within that across the course of the season. But certainly, you know, Bristol have, have really took a step forward. And Lauren Smith, obviously, who, who I know is my assistant last year, uh, at Spurs has done a fantastic job with Bristol, um, you know, and I've got obviously got a couple of players that are on loan in some of these clubs as well that I pay close attention to. So, yeah, it's it's really getting tight. And I think, you know, as we said, it's maybe that Liverpool have probably just pushed themselves far enough to have done enough to get promoted. But un- underneath that, the next sort of four spots are really up for grabs, aren't they? So it's made it really challenging for everybody in that in that league, which obviously just makes it a really positive game to go and watch. And it's a good advert for the game itself is to just see how competitive things are becoming. Here's a question for you as a, as a WSL manager, obviously only one team can get that promotion spot at the moment. It's looking likely to be Liverpool. We talk about the gap and whether it maybe it's too much of a jump between WSL and championship, but would you ever welcome like a restructure to have more teams included in the WSL, maybe two teams to go up? I think it's something that the league has got to consider, you know, with the growth and investment going into these clubs, it's important that we recognise when they're actually elevating themselves to be able to be sustainable in the league. I think, you know, there's always that caution to the wind around the fact that it's important that clubs don't come into the WSL and then, you know, we have some challenges with them then not being sustainable within that and that, you know, creating an issue, which we almost had last year, you know, at some point. So I think we've still got a little bit of work to do for that, you know, and obviously the biggest thing about the WSL is that we've got to be able to put the best support system in place for the players and the staffing in and around that, which also takes additional investment to make sure that when we increase the number of games, which we absolutely should be doing by increasing the league, but that it's actually sustainable and the players are in the best possible position to execute those games throughout the course of the season, plus the international games, you know, when you add to that, the number of games that we play compared to the men's leagues is, is obviously significantly less. But we need to make sure that we protect the players and make sure that we facilitate everything we do as clubs to enable them to be successful in that. And that there's the financial resource for all of those clubs to make sure that it doesn't then go backwards once we've gone forwards, if that makes sense. So I think it's definitely on everybody's radar to want to move it in that direction. I think it's, you know, the way that the game's growing, it's a positive and everybody, you know, there's a lot of clubs that are putting in more work to try and make sure that they're in the best possible position to do that. Um, And when that's, you know, evidenced, if you like, then obviously we, we should be looking to expand the league and make sure the product continues to grow. Well, into the National League now, and here's Andrew with a roundup. Yeah, five league games in the Southern Premier Division on Sunday live with uh, Ipswich and Southampton battling it out in the FA Cup, as we've mentioned. Oxford United took full advantage to cut Ipswich's lead at the top to just two points. 
after a 3-1 home win over Crawley Wasps. Oxford also have a game in hand, so they are looking very strong. Slampton are nine points behind Ipswich, but with five games in hand due to their cup actions. So uh, what a final couple of months uh, that will be. At fourth place, Gillingham drew 0-0 at Portsmouth, while Bridgewater United beat London Bees 3-0 and as a result uh, replace the Bees in fifth. At the bottom, important wins for MK Dons and Plymouth Argyle against fellow relegation rivals, Chichester and Selsey and Canesham Town. MK Dons, Plymouth and Canesham all on the same number of points now. MK are the team just outside the relegation zone on goal difference, but Plymouth have a couple of games in hand. It's going to be an exciting run in in the south at both the top and bottom. In the Northern Premier Division, Fylde lost their lead as they were in County Cup action. Derby and Wolves moved above them after winning their games. Derby beat uh, bottom side Hull 3-1, while Wolves won 3-0 at Nottingham Forest. Uh, Both have 36 points and the same goal difference now, but Derby are top by virtue of goals scored. Fylde are two points back, but with a game in hand on Derby. Wolves, though, have two in hand on Fylde, and three in hand on Derby. You keeping up with all this? Uh, they're looking in good shape, Wolves, basically. Uh, we caught up with Nick from the Wolves Women podcast to hear about an eventful couple of seasons at the club. So Wolves Women are doing really well this season. As you say, last two seasons have been impacted by the COVID pandemic. Um, but we're now sort of sitting third, but with three games in hand. We're doing really well, playing some good attacking football. Um, but we're, we're solid as well at the back. And that's, yeah, that's something I would say is our defenders and goalkeeper is uh, are doing you know goalies are doing really well as well at the back. The winner of the Northern Division plays the winner of the Southern Division, then progress. And obviously you've got Ipswich and Southampton play you know storming in the Southern and ourselves, Fylde, Derby doing really well. Forest and Huddersfield also not far behind us. And it's just it's a shocking. It really is shocking that only one of those two you know, that, that group of teams go up. When you know I think whatever happens, there needs to be a look at that. You know for for progressing the women's game in general to have more than one team go up. Wolves women have got the highest, what their highest attendances in the division, well, in the league structure, both Northern and Southern. I mean, if you park sort of the oddities of, I say oddities, when Forest played uh, Derby, you know, sort of East Midlands you know, rivalry there at um, City Ground, you sort of take away some of those sort of um, peculiarities. We are, you know, we're averaging the highest, we're averaging about uh, 300 fans a game, which, you know, that sort of pushes up into championship figures of attendances already. And I think, you know, you're more more and more interest. I mean, obviously, the Wolves 1877 Fan Supporters Trust is also sort of getting involved and supporting the team and support getting involved in the FSA network as well for women's football. So, yeah, the whole sort of uh, ethos is one pack here at Wolves. So, I think, you know, it says something about the whole club there. It's a different step up. It's a, you know, we've seen what's happened with both Watford and Sunderland, who came up at the end of last season as well. Yeah, that then, you know, I think you'd be fair to say that uh, if it wasn't for Coventry's deductions, Watford would be favourite to go down. Um, I think it'd be challenging, but you know, Maka and the girls will know what they've got to do, and they'll go out and try and do their best to do it. And you know, I think we'll certainly give it a good fist. I, you know, I wouldn't say it'll be beyond us. I mean, we've got the support of the club. We train at Compton Park, so we've got 3G surfaces, you know, the gyms, etc. You know, all the support there in the background that's been, you know, sort of help us in that way. As Nick from the Wolves Women podcast there, final look on the National League North Live. Huddersfield won 2-1 at Stoke to go into fifth. And Brickhouse Town won 5-0 at Middlesbrough, who remain in relegation strife. In fact, the bottom three of Borough, Sheffield and Hull are going to have to go some to claw their way out of trouble. And breathe, Andrew. Thank you for that.
Speaking of investment in the women's game, there was some great news coming over from the US, obviously. Members of the US women's soccer team have reached a landmark agreement with their governing body to end a six-year legal battle over equal pay. The deal promises them $24 million plus bonuses that match those to the men. US soccer also agreed to establish a fund of $2 million to benefit the players in their post-soccer careers and charitable efforts aimed at supporting the sport for women. Do you feel like this is a breakthrough moment as well? And can we see that adapting maybe over to the UK? Well, I think it's a, it's a conversation that's going on in a lot of governing bodies, isn't it, at the moment? Uh, you know, obviously the, the US national team one has, has become quite a prominent one of recent months. Um, but I think, you know, across the board, I think it's definitely something that needs to be looked at to ensure that, you know, the women's game is being, and the players in particular, are being supported in the right way, given the increased coverage, the increased visibility, the increased commercial assets attached to that. You know, all of it needs to be looked at really carefully to make sure that we are continuing to progress our women's professional players in the way that's actually appropriate. And um, and that that's something that, you know, we've all been aspiring to. We're all trying to grow the game in lots of different ways to make that feasible for everybody, players included. You know, they're, they're the ones that are working the absolute hardest to make sure that the game and the league continues to be, be successful. So some midweek fixtures coming up, which affect both ends of the table. On Wednesday, Arsenal take on surprise package Reading at Meadow Park and could extend their lead at the top of the WSL to five points with a win. Aston Villa host Everton in the other match. Carla Ward's side will be looking to do the double over Everton after beating them a couple of weeks ago. Andrew, Everton are still looking over their shoulders a bit in case of Birmingham resurgence, but Villa are looking safe. Is it all about building for next season now, do you think? Yeah, I would say so. I think, you know, with the win at Everton a couple of weeks ago, it sort of, uh, sort of, eased any lingering nerves around the camp um and I, I i think what's important for for villa now is they've i think they've already got more points now than they did last season um they've obviously made a couple of very good signings in the transfer window carla's got her feet well and truly under the table now and um i think what's important is that because that mid table area is quite congested if they can i mean if they can beat everton no uh, easy task of course they'll be level on points with Brighton there'll be a point uh off behind West Ham there'll be could be if Arsenal win three points behind Reading who everybody be talking about this season albeit Villa will have played a couple of games more they'll only actually be four points behind Manchester City um so I think it will show that Villa are starting to establish themselves obviously after promotion recently uh, you know in the in the top flight and I think that would be would have been Carla Ward's brief at the start of the season, bring in more experienced names, which we, she's done, get a little bit more nous in that team. It's quite a young side when it first uh, came into the to the WSL. And she's, you know, she's using her experience and her, her you know, knowledge to, to improve that Villa team. And uh, certainly if they can finish in that mid-table pack rather than being, you know, <clears throat> you know, below Leicester or Everton or whatever. I think it will be vital for what they do in the summer and, and who they can attract. Yes, very congested in, in the mid-table, as Rian will know. Spurs obviously competing in that top four, top, top five slot. But Rian, are you surprised at Everton this season? Because they've gone through two managers. You know, everyone was back in them maybe at the start of the season to compete with the top five and six. But it's not quite gone to plan. What What do you suggest is going on there? Um, to be honest, I, I think, you know, the, the squad is a good squad um, for whatever reason. It's just not quite gelling. You know, I think the change of managers 
obviously creates disruption within the team and players like, you know, continuity and, and uh, you know, they're not really a fan of too much change, to be honest. So that will have obviously created some challenges, I think, within the, the dynamic for the team, which is inevitable, you know, with a change of, of staff and things like that. So, you know, I think they're, they're a good side, as I say, and I, I think once it comes together, you know, they'll get results and I'm sure that they will get results between now and the end of the season. Um, so it's just a case of trying to get that to happen sooner rather than later. I still think, you know, it's a it's a big uphill struggle, unfortunately, for, for Birmingham, even though the points differential is not too too vast between them and uh, obviously Leicester as well now. But, um, but look, I, you know, they're a competitive club. They've been in the game for a long time. They'll they'll figure it out and, and I'm sure we'll be competitive come next season, if, you know, if not sort of turning things around before the end of this season, to be honest. Yes, yeah, so a big three points for either of those teams. But coming up next weekend, it is the Conti Cup final between Manchester City and Chelsea, which is being held at Plough Lane, which is the home of AFC Wimbledon. Rianne, I know it's probably a tough one to call. Both teams are hitting form now, especially Manchester City with the return of their players. Who 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 do you think who do you think is going to win this one? If could you possibly think- say? I think you need to ask someone else. I have got no idea. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't know, to be honest. It's um, like you say, the timing and the form is is going to, well, should make it a really good game for a neutral, to be honest. Um, and obviously, you know, for us, we've got to play both these teams coming up. So it certainly be an interesting one for us to look at, um, you know, in, in preparation for our own games. But I mean, it's going to be a good game, you know, and they've not played each other, if I'm if I'm not wrong, in the Conti Cup final before. It's not happened. So I'm sure both teams will be really trying to make a point in that game as well and obviously get the first bit of silverware for this season. I know obviously an FA Cup's happened, but technically it was last season's FA Cup, you know. So, um, so yeah, I think it'll be a really good game. I'm certainly one that I'm looking forward to, to seeing for sure. Um, with with all the big guns out on the day, you know, who knows which way it could go. It'll be fine margins, I think, though. That 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 much will be for certain on the day. If we could have it something like that uh, cup semi-final from last season, it'd be uh, be all right, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Andrew, Rian's given nothing away, but, you know, as a neutral, what, what about you? Who, who do you see Pip in this one? I don't know. I, obviously, Manchester City are in good form and, like, you... you, you I just think Chelsea on, you know, in one-off occasions, um, you know, obviously every time I say this, I keep having to say, except last season's Champions League final, but Chelsea on one-off occasions just seem to have, um, you know, that extra, extra thing, you know, whether it's something tactical that Emma Hayes can find from, you know, from pinpointing something in the opposition on a one-off occasion, or whether it's just, you know, something within the deep within them. I mean, they're a club which are hoovering up trophies left, right and centre with the exception of yesterday's uh, men's uh, League Cup final. But, you know, there's just something within that DNA at that club. And they just, you know, Chelsea, I think, will probably will probably snatch it. Yeah, DNA indeed. Well, we'll review all the action in our next podcast. But that's it for this week. Rianne, thank you very much for giving us your time. Um, We wish you all the best of luck with Spurs and the rest of your season too. Thank you very much. And thanks a lot for having me. I've really enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew, many thanks to you as well. Don't forget to subscribe via all good podcasting platforms and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at TWFP1 and the Women's Football Podcast on Instagram. Have a great week and we will see you all very soon.